everybody and welcome to the Habit Mastery Summit. And today I am tickled about our guest. We have Dr. Rosina Lakani or Lakni. Lakani. Lakani. I said it right the first time. And she is absolutely a rock star. She is doing so much good in this world. She's Professionally, she's a medical doctor specializing in psychiatry, and she also wrote a book, and she has a podcast, and she does all kinds of really great work with all her clients, and she has, her website is amazing, so when you go on there, you'll see all kinds of different options of things you can sign up for, but I'm telling you, this woman, wait till you hear what she has to say about her mission, because she is really on a on a role to helping everybody become go from stress to joy which that's the name of her book so dr rosina thank you for being here thank you for inviting it's a privilege it's great to have you so well i'd love to know what happened in your life that this became an important topic for you i was a psychiatrist building my private practice, there comes a time, a turning point in everybody's life. And so my turning point came with a car accident. I broke my right hand (laughs) in that accident. And what that did was it really turned my life upside down. I was a very go, 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 go person. I'm trying to take care of, I had a five-year-old kid at that time, of course, professional responsibilities, and I had this new business and we just had moved. And so a lot of, lot of things happening, pretty overwhelmed at that time. And that day I remember as I was driving home, I'm in my mind, I'm saying, oh, tomorrow I have the day off. What would I like to do? Hey, I'd like to maybe relax by the water and read something really nice. I haven't had the chance to read and boom, there's this. By the time I can kind of came to my senses, the airbag was blown and I just could not move my hand because my hand was like this, like a chair on the steering wheel. And I was like, oh, my hand, what, what, what happened? What happened? And somebody was coming and asking me, are you okay? And I, I said, what happened? And he said, you were hit, you were, you know, you were in a car accident. And I said, oh my God, what's happening? What's, what happened to my hand? And he said, you know, we have called the police. Somebody is coming, you know, you'd be okay. And I just could not even pick up the phone because to, to tell my husband, I was five minutes from my home. Oh my God. Um, and it was, it, it was very, very stressful. To say the least, you know, the time that followed was very, very stressful phase of my life when you are not able to use your dominant hand, which I was very, very right hand dominant, um, you can't do simple things. And you don't realize it until you lose that capacity. Yeah. So when, when, you're, when you're not able to kind of move your fingers and stuff, you know, you can't even dial a phone or trim your nails or zip up your pants. And, you know, there was like, very limiting. But anyways, that that was the time when, uh, when there was a transition. And I remember my, my husband took me for, you know, visiting family members for change of uh, environment. And I was helped in the shower one day. And uh, 
somebody was supposed to come help me because I couldn't change after I um, shower and uh, I was done and people were downstairs so they couldn't hear me that I was done and I was stuck in the bathroom. I can't take come out. So I reached this peak of feeling of helplessness and I went back in the shower and I was banging the wall of shower. Uh, And then I had this epiphany that I'm banging the wall of shower with my left hand. What if I would have lost my left hand too? What if I would have lost my eyes or my mind or my life? And I had that five-year-old kid at that time and he was in car with me through the week before that day. He was sick, so I was taking him everywhere. And that was the first day he returned back to the daycare. Wow. What if he was in the car? And so then my mind shifted. And once my mind shifted, I was still crying with the pain when there was pain, but I was not crying with why me and, you know, that kind of depressive effect. And then a few days later, I, it was kind of taming down when I had, um, I could not sleep because I'm a right-sided sleeper and I had all these nails around my hand. And so I couldn't sleep. So I was sitting in my bed and my friend had given me a journal. And so that journal was sitting on my bedside and I pulled this journal, this very journal with my left hand and started writing with my left hand for the first time. And I knew about the gratitude practice, but you know, life takes over, I'll do it whenever, you know, when I have time. But that was the first day that I wrote my gratitude journal. And that day till today, my every day starts with the gratitude journal. And there are days when, you know, the day starts frantically and you don't have time to write. I carry my journal all the time. And just before we started this, I had 10 minutes break and I opened and wrote my journal. Because without that, I don't feel grounded. But once you establish that habit, and if I have to, if I have to say one thing that got me through those difficult times was my gratitude practice. It's, it's a powerful tool that you, so for me with my gratitude practice, it's this tool that even if you say it at first and you don't believe it at first, it's just good to say it. And then it seems like after 10 minutes, after 20 minutes, after two hours, all of a sudden that gratitude, that real gratitude comes and washes over me. Usually it's right away, but what a gift that it can, it can really, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating tool if you really do it. So, so tell me a little bit about how you write your gratitude journal. What's what, how do you, what do you focus on? Well, um, mine is uh, starts with very simple, like, you know, today I'm grateful for Mm-hmm. In my book, I like the IGF. I'm grateful for. I'm a, <laughs> I, I really like acronyms. So yeah, they're perfect. Uh, short forms. So IGF, I'm grateful for. And you just write down whatever you, uh, whatever comes to your mind. With so many years, you know, things have just kind of, it, it easily starts flowing. But, you know, every patient that I see when I'm writing the prescription, I say, okay, I'm writing the prescription. Tell me three things you're most grateful for. When they're done with three, then I say, oh, I'm still writing. Tell me three more. <laughs> I make them think about the things. <clears throat> and, and sometimes people, um, it's easy. And sometimes it's hard for people. Yes. Okay? 
Um, one time, like, you know, a patient or many times patients who are like really in pain and, you know, feeling really down and depressed, it's very hard for them to think about positive. So they would say, okay, there's nothing positive in my life. What can I be grateful for? And I say, okay, did you walk to my office? Yes. Are you grateful for your legs? <laughs> are you able to talk to me? Are you, uh, are you grateful for your mind to be working, your tongue to be working? You know. So there's so many things that we take for granted. And so once people start identifying those, a person who came in with very, very depressed effect I see the change in their effect on their face. It, it really is. It, it's, it's, I call it the elixir of every emotion that ails you. It really is unbelievable, the power of it. So, um, so tell me a little bit about what is your book and, and, and this, this idea of stress to joy and how gratitude fits into that. So gratitude was the first exercise I had to apply in my life to get through my stressful phase. And then as I was going along, I had to learn a lot of things on my own journey of recovery. Because, you know, for a doctor who writes, who's used to writing prescriptions and who's writing the notes with the right hand and, and here, you know, I, I need to practice. And I know I had just newly started the practice it was very, very hard. So I had to learn a lot of tools that I was teaching my patients, but I had to learn to apply in my life. So as I was going through, I was realizing there's so many people like me, professional women, overwhelmed, stressed about doing different things. They continue to suffer for no reason. Right. They need to learn these tools. I wished I had somebody giving me this book when I was going through that so I can have these um, tools collected that I can apply in my life and get through that phase easier. I, I had like, you know, of course, medical school, psychiatry residency, like, you know, a lot of other uh, practices, my own personal reading, yet I had to learn a lot of these things and had to apply. So then I had the calling that I need to take these techniques that I teach patients in the office, from inside the office to outside the office to people like me so that they can manage their stress before stress manages them. Well, and, and lots of women and that are on here are probably that way, um, successful on paper, really doing a great job at the work and accomplishing things and climbing the corporate ladder and then going home and picking up the kids and managing daycare rides and managing soccer practice and managing doing the laundry and managing the dishes and cleaning the bathroom. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And if, if, if habits are not created, that will just take you. I mean, it's like a wave that can just take you under. So I find it really- And then, and then it, as it is taking you under, you don't realize that you're going under yes. until it becomes really, really bad. Yes. And so by the time people come to see me, they have developed like severe depression and anxiety. And so they don't have to develop to that point. If we can learn these tools and develop these um, uh, habits that would uh, build the resilience, I, I call those habits, happy habits. Yep. So I call like, you know, happy and healthy habits. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you develop these happy habits, they are like a fort. They're like uh, your resilience bubble that protects you from going that downhill. 
And you know, many times people say, okay, how do you feel stress? And these, a lot of professionals don't feel stress. Right, they don't even know they're stressed. That's right. It shows up in their body. Oh, no, I'm having headache. Oh, I'm having heartburn. Oh, I'm not able to sleep. Oh, my focus is getting affected. They still don't recognize that all this is happening because you are so stressed that your mind is not getting rest and you are not able to function at your best until it gets really, really bad. And then they end up coming to see the doctor and getting on the medication. It's a longer you wait, the harder it is. And therefore, I think it was very, very important uh, for me to take these tools that I, uh, I see them working in my patient's life, but then I also saw them working in my life. So I tried to bring them in a toolkit. And that's why the book name is Stress to Joy, Your Toolkit to Restore Peace of Mind in Minutes. And, and, and it's true. It, it's, it's so true. And what I'll tell you is it's kind of interesting how your journey went because, you know, it's funny, we can understand something intellectually, but, you know, when you're talking about the body, but going to your heart and to your being and to your doing, it, it sometimes doesn't connect. Like it took me a long time to connect those dots. And, and what I love is that your practice was talking to you through you. What right. you needed, you were saying, and you you realized, oh, <laughs> I should be doing these things That's too. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there's an exercise that I talk about um, um, in the journal, and you know, just to kind of wrap up my thought, it came to my mind was when I said, um, "You can restore peace of mind in minutes. It's minutes a day, so it may take only a few minutes a day." but these are habits. And, and another reason I, I use this word was because, you know, professional women are too busy. They don't have time to do long practices. One hour in the morning is right. not gonna happen, right? Right, right. <laughs> and so, so they always say, oh, I don't have time. I will take care of it. And I used to do the same thing and I still do sometimes, but <laughs> so, so th this is for busy people who think they don't have enough time. So I've created a lot of tools that I was able to apply in my life within minutes. Like, you know, while you are doing things, how do you apply this technique to calm yourself down? And um, <laughs> one of the things that I realized is that, you know, it, once it becomes part of you, it becomes a habit and, and then you're not thinking about it, you're automatically doing it. Right, right. And, it, and you want to do it because you realize how good you feel. That's right. right? And you then you, you actually don't realize how good you're doing it. You realize how bad you're doing when you stop doing it. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. So how would you suggest that one creates it to be a habit? What, what is the first thing that you would recommend for someone that's in this situation? Well, there, I think there are three very important things that you need to ask. And once you have clarified that, it becomes easier. Number one, why? Why do you want to do it? I knew the importance of gratitude practice. I was teaching it already, but I was not practicing it because it was not part of my life or my life was so 
busy. At that time, I used to use the word busy. Now I don't use the word busy. I say my life is very colorful. There's never a dull moment. Because <laughs> busy doesn't even describe it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, our brain hears what we say. So you want to say what you, wa you want your brain to hear. That's why when you ask me, how am I feeling? What was my answer? I'm feeling happy and grateful. Okay? Because yep. that's what I want to feel. That is my affirmation. Yep. When you incorporate things in your life, what you are doing, then it becomes habitual. When you know the reason why you want to do it, then you are convinced about doing it. It's the first time when you do it, it's harder. Once mm -hmm. I got started on it and I kept on doing it for a few days, you know, I was showing you um, in the journal before, before meeting, I was showing, you know, one other like few days into I'm hurting a lot. And then I said, I'm grateful to be able to endure this pain. So then this became an anchor. So now every time I want to introduce a new practice, now I'm journaling with my gratitude practice. So my gratitude is always the starting point. Then I'm starting to write, okay, priorities for the day. So then I, I'm kind of adding the priorities of the day. Or if I'm having a, a question, should I do this or should I do that? I do pros and cons, yes and no. And then I kind of, once I'm convinced that this is what I want to do, then I incorporate it in my schedule. Then I put the reminders, then I kind of reinforce. So these are kind of all the step part of the Stress to Joy program, whereby you, you identify, acknowledge, and you process, and then you make a decision. Once you make a decision and you make a choice statement, so you actually write it down, I choose to. So I choose to practice my gratitude every day, then it, that's what is happening. A week back, I was doing a reflection with my gratitude practice. I kind of then continue uh, whenever I kind of feel like it. And so I started uh, journaling, why am I doing and what are my goals in life? And so as I identified the goals, I realized that um, I'm a very spiritual person. So I'm like spiritual, and I believe in biopsychosocial models. So if you see my log logo, it's a four overlapping octagon that represents mind, body, soul, and spirit. So I was, I was kind of reflecting and I said, oh, okay, so this is my goal in my spiritual area and my goal for my body and my goal for my mind and my goal for my social life. And I realized most of my goals were falling into just the social life. And then my mind and body and my spirit were getting neglected. So one of the things now I do is my priority journal. So for in the morning when I'm deciding what priorities to give, I make this circle, self. So what is my goal for the self? So yeah. even if it is simple thing like, I want to drink enough water today and walk. So walking and water are the two, like, you know, I put it on myself goal for today. And then for my mind, I want to read something or I want to do five minutes of mindfulness meditation. And then uh, my body, I want to do the walking or, so I, I, I already covered my body, my mind, my soul. I want to do my prayers and my, uh, for even when you are doing things with, integrity and with your value, whatever you're doing, worldly thing also becomes spiritual because they're both connected. Oh yeah, um, it, it's so true. 
So I think I kind of uh, uh, digressed a little. Your question was, what are the most important things to build the practice? So what I identified was number one, identify why you want to do it, write it, make a choice statement. So I choose to, that gives you tremendous power. And again, like, you know, when you associate them with your life purposes, then it becomes much more important. And so, like I said, like I was, I was forgetting some of the, some of the things. And when I reflected and I said, okay, I'm missing out on some of the goals in my areas of importance in my life. And I put it back. And so therefore, then today when I woke up, then I was able to push myself to go to the treadmill. And even if I didn't have enough time, I still did the 15 minutes. So you know, usually I do half an hour and then last few weeks, I was just kind of not doing it. But once I wrote it down, I was able to bring back the habit. And so one point to kind of remember is that human beings are forgetful beings. So no matter how much you are, um, you have uh, decided to do certain thing, you know, if you kind of lax, become lax, you may forget that that was your choice. So having something written down in front of you reminds you for bringing you back. And the last point I would suggest is that watch your internal dialogue when you are trying to build. So funny story that happened in my life. I used to have um, a, a, a paper in front of or a card in front of my treadmill uh, where I used to write down the date and the time that I used to exercise. So every time I would go back after a few days of gap, yeah. <laughs> I used to be so guilty and ashamed that you bad girl, you decided that you're going to do exercise and see how you have not done exercise. And so I would do exercise and the next time I would have another gap. And I realized that that was happening because every time I was doing that exercise, I was creating this negative environment for my mind and I was actually not feeling good about doing that exercise. Right. right. So once I realized, I shifted my mindset. Okay. So next time when I went there and I saw that there was like five days gap of no exercise, I would say, I'm so glad I'm back to exercise after five days. Yeah. You like, woohoo, I came back after five. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when, when I started giving that positive feeling for my brain for doing that activity, then my mind wanted to do it more. So that is one obstacle that I've seen that people try to build a habit and if they don't do it, then they feel so bad that they increase the chances of not doing it. <laughs> well, and, and, and we don't need to use the hammer, right? Right. We don't need to use the hammer. We, we get, we're doing it and we're doing the best we can every day. Right. So, and some of us are having good days and we're not having good days and it's okay. We can always start over again. There's no, um, we're not getting graded on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, one of, uh, one of my patients, you know, I also do, you know, when I am doing smoking cessation advice, right. So one of my patients was saying that, you know, I've tried to stop so many times and I can go for like, you know, two days or four days and five days, and I'm still relapsing again and again. So I told her two, two things. One, did you know that the more you try, the better the chances of you being able to quit? So each time you try, the chances of your success increases. So keep trying, number one. Number two, even if you go for that one day 
or those five days without smoking, each day that you give your body break, your lung starts repairing. You know, that little cilias that are moving, allowing the air, uh, air passage in your lungs, yep. those cilias start getting repaired. Within a few days, your heart, which has been affected by smoking, that starts getting healed. So even one day is better than zero days. So give yourself pat in the back, even if you do one day of practice, that would give you motivation to do another day of practice and keep trying. The more you try, the more chances of success. That would help you build good habits and break bad habits. Well, I really appreciate it. And what I, what I love about your message is that it can be done even though we get to be, we get to have full colorful lives, right? And action-packed and juicy, amazing lives. We can still fit in, in with these small chunks. And I, and I love that because it's not, it is so overwhelming when you wake up late and you feel guilty. That, that, that example with the treadmill is just so powerful to me because when we guilt ourselves into doing it, it's, it becomes, it's just, ugh, you know, it becomes burdensome. You feel yeah, right. I just don't want to. So anyways, I am just super grateful you're here. Now you do have a free gift. You want to share with the audience what that will be? Anybody who wants to build the practice of gratitude, I have built a gratitude challenge, seven-day gratitude challenge that you can sign up and it would give you, you know, it's just five minutes of investment of a day for seven days and you would build this habit of positive thinking. It would, you would build the feeling of joy and connectedness and positivity that would make you feel happier and healthier. So take that seven day challenge. It's totally free. You get a five minutes video per day. You get a unique challenge and you would even get a download of one of the chapters from my guided gratitude journal. So I, I talked, you talked about the book that we talked about the stress to joy book. This is kind of a toolkit of a lot of uh, tools that you can utilize at def different stages. And actually, it's a story of three women, three of my friends, and oh, I took cool. them through a lot of exercises and different times, you know, oh, cool. uh, so the concept was explained through the stories and examples. And these are all like, you know, exercises that you can implement in the busy life. But then I came up with this guided gratitude journal. So I was kind of showing, showing my um, nephew one time and he was visiting and I said, okay, this is how you can write. And he said, oh my God, I've been thinking about writing for so long. I didn't, I, I just couldn't figure out how to get it started. You know, you should publish it because it would help a lot of people like me. So basically the guided gratitude journal is not just a book, but it's like some guide and then there's some space to write and some space to uh, doodle and then the second chapter would start with like second way of writing and then the third one starts with you know the advanced gratitude exercise so like different ways you can practice and develop this ability to feel positive despite all the negatives in life it's it, it's a beautiful thing when i was in early recovery I remember there was a little book and, and it was a little blue book and it had a dove on it. And it talked about, do you have eyes that you can see? 
because someone can't see? Do you have feet that you can walk? Do you have breath that you can breathe? And, you know, when you're going through such a hard, heavy, emotional, spiritual bankruptcy, when that book where I was sitting is just ingrained in my head because it was kind of like you're banging on the shower moment where it's like, oh gosh, but look at what I do have, right? Look at what I what I do get to do. I get another chance, right? So you're just a wonderful woman, Dr. Murray. Uh, thank you. And Vicky, thank you for sharing that, you know, the book came to you at the right time. I have patients who would say, I still cannot be there. And I tell them it's okay. It's okay that you're not there right now. You may come to a point where you would feel you, you will feel that I'm not ready to live like this anymore. Yeah. That is when you would be ready. Yes. And when you're ready, these resources would be there. Amazing. So I'd be happy to share all the resources with Amazing. the audience today. And please let me know if you if you um, have any further questions. Will do. And she, Dr. Rosina has a, she's on all of the social media channels. She's also has an, a live podcast that she does. Do you call it a podcast? Video interview? What do you call it? I call it Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina. It's awesome. <laughs> I've watched a few episodes. It's awesome. I cannot wait. So you have to check that out. And I have one final question for you. And it is, who is your personal hero? I was just thinking in the morning that there are so many people who have influenced my life. There is one poet. I grew up in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. And so this poet's name was Allama Iqbal. Okay. He's a very, very popular genius poet, uh, philosophical uh, poetry and very in awakening type of poetry. And so one of his stanza keeps repeating in my head. And I think that guides me. And it says, Apne liye to sabhi jeete is jahame hai zindagi ka maqsad auron ke kaam aana. Everybody lives for themselves in this life, but the purpose of life is to help others. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so and so it kind of gives me this, this guiding light. And another stanza of his that really helps me when there are difficult times. And it says, Tun diye baade se o okab, ye to chalti hai tujhe udane ke liye. Don't be scared of the wind that blows against you. It blows to help you fly higher. Oh, wow. Good poet. Does he have, are there translations in English? Yes, yes, definitely. Okay. You know, have he's, to, yeah, he's you'll very you'll have to text me his name. Sure, Allama Iqbal. He's like, he's called second Rumi, you know, how Rumi, Rumi was popular. Yeah, yeah. so um, Allama Iqbal. I, I'll ask you afterwards. Well, thanks for being here. We will be back tomorrow. Thank you so much, Dr. Rosina. So exciting. What a wonderful way to make a real change in your life in just minutes. You can do it. Thanks so much. Thank you.